This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following pre-recorded Encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Well, hey there, my friends. I hope you're having a phenomenal day. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equipped with Chris Brooks. So glad you tuned in today. Why don't you strap on your seatbelt? We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I might rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, welcome. And I pray as you think through how you can impact the world through your generosity, that among the uh, worthy charities that you want to support, that Equip would be uh, on that list. I do believe that your partnership with us is making a huge difference each and every day. We're helping to remind people of the truth, the love, and the grace that is found in Christ and in Him alone. We're equipping Christians to more effectively live, share, and defend their faith. We're introducing you and your neighbors uh, that listen to this program to uh, thought leaders that uh, help us to navigate through the complexities of life with confidence in Christ. And so if those things matter to you, if we've been a blessing to you, maybe you consider can uh, consider today supporting us at a gift of $30 a month. That would be a huge blessing. And we call those good folks equippers. These are our generous partners that come alongside of us with a monthly contribution of $30 a month or more. Uh, that allows us to do things like planning our fiscal year, uh, putting in programming that will be a huge blessing to you, setting up our Zoom webinar so that we can connect more in person, and making sure that every day we're making resources available to you that will absolutely transform your life. So here's what I would love for you to do is to dial the number 888-644-4100. I wonder if I can encourage a few of you to do that right now. 888-644-4144. And uh, we'll give some thank yous out before we go off the air. I do want to say thank you to our wonderful team uh, here at Equip that helps to produce these programs each and every day. I get a chance to do what I do best, and that is to simply share my heart and navigate these wonderful conversations with you uh, because of their efforts. So thank you to our amazing team team. Today, I want to have a conversation about your teenagers. Uh, I'm a dad who's raising a teenager. And so anytime I get a chance to talk about the world of teenagers, I get fired up. I want to talk in particular about the pressure our teenagers are under to chase after love and relationships. Now, if you examine our culture, if you uh, look at uh, the world around you, what you'll have to notice is that it seems like everywhere we turn, there are messages that encourage us to uh, pursue or to chase after love and sex and relationships. And this is uh, multiplied in intensity for our teenagers. 
things like social media and big questions like what does God think of my singleness, the LGBTQ question, is marriage really worth it? All of these things are rumbling through their minds all while they're going through huge hormonal changes, searching for acceptance and wondering, does anyone love me? Well, maybe you're a parent like me of a teenager and you're trying to navigate with them through the ups and downs of these pursuits, all while trying to help them to understand what is unique and beautiful about the Christian worldview. Well, boy, do I have a resource for you today, and I'm so fired up about it. In a confusing culture, we need clarity on what makes the Christian view of sexuality and relationships so attractive and so beautiful. And Sean McDowell has written a masterpiece. It's called Chasing Love. Sex, Love, and Relationships in a Confused Culture. Now, you guys know Sean. He's a gifted communicator. He's passionate about equipping the church, in particular, young people to make a case for the Christian faith. He's a professor at Biola, one of my favorite institutions in all the world in Christian apologetics, best-selling author, and he loves to spend time with high schoolers. Sean, how are you, my man? Chris, I'm doing great. Good to talk to you, and thanks for having me on. How's your family? You know what? Amidst all the craziest going on, we are blessed with good health. Got nothing to complain about. That's beautiful. Well, it's hard to complain when you uh, get a chance to have the sun shining down on you every day. <laughs> oh, man, what the, the joys of working at Biola and being out in California. But you and Stephanie are sweet people, and we love your family. And in many ways, I would imagine writing Chasing Love was not only like an academic kind of pursuit, but it's deeply personal, isn't it? It was personal for a few reasons. In the 1980s, as you know, my dad led the first global kind of abstinence sexual purity campaign called Why Wait? And this was long before True Love Waits. So when I'm 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, my dad's writing books, doing video series, talking at the dinner table about God's design for sex and sexually transmitted diseases <laughs> and marriage. And like. <laughs> So this was like a regular conversation in the McDowell home. So when this yeah. opportunity came up, it gave me the opportunity, number one, to reflect back on the message that I feel blessed that I was given by my parents. But also now I have three teenagers in my home, That's so right. it's personal in that sense as well. That's right. So here's what I want to do today. I always love opening up the phone lines to our friends and listeners. And so maybe you're a parent like Sean is of a teenager like I am. I'm a teenager, and you're watching them now uh, going through that phase of life where they're trying to figure out love and relationships, uh, and they're they're bumping their heads maybe, stumbling through the, the confusion of the culture, <clears throat> and you're wondering, how do I best be a guide on the side? How do I best help them to navigate as a mom or a dad who cares for them deeply? And how do I help them to avoid the mistakes maybe that even uh, you you've made in your own life? The phone number to join the conversation is 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. All right, where did the name, the title of the book come from, Chasing Love? You know what's interesting is the publisher already had the name set because it's a part of a book and curriculum with True Love Waits. And they called it that, but I, I flipped the name on them in the sense that people are thinking, well, let's help everybody chase love. And I thought, you know what? Let's actually frame it differently and say, what would sex, love, and relationships look like if we first asked the question, how do I love God? 
and love other people. So let's chase the kind of love that Jesus made us for. And then, as it says in Matthew, then all these things shall be added unto you. So I am framing the question of sex, love, and relationships in larger discipleship and what it even means to love God and love other people. Now, I've made an appeal to parents to call in today, but let's be honest. You wrote this book for a particular audience. Talk about who you wrote it for. Well, I wrote it for high school students. In fact, interestingly enough, this morning I was uh, in a classroom with students who were talking about the first three chapters today. So I speak to students, I write to students, I do a YouTube channel, and I do TikTok. I mean, I communicate to students, but I'm in the classroom three days a week with high school kids. So I wrote it for my own students and the students I work with every day, trying to help them just navigate just the difficult waters that kids are in today on these issues. Yeah, I love that you're still connected to students. I mean, a lot of guys uh, go through that phase, if you will, of working with students, and then they graduate to seemingly bigger and better things. But you have kept your grounding in hearing the heart of students. And so when you say you write to students, I just want to affirm that this book is really written to the heart of a teenager. And so parents, uh, we want you to be a part of the conversation, but maybe I should broaden it as well and say, if you are a teenager or even a young adult that's listening, I want you to give us a call to 877-LIVE-675. That's 877-548-3675. Talk about the difference in the questions you're hearing between young adults and teenagers. Is there much difference as it relates to sex, love, and relationships? And maybe even, is there a big difference between Christian and non-Christian teenagers and young adults? Yeah, those are great questions. I would say on the first one, it's really the difference between millennials and between Gen Zers. So millennials are 25 and up. Gen Zers are basically 10 to 25. So this book was uniquely written for Gen Zers who are the first truly digital native generation. So they are learning about sex through a smartphone, through Netflix, through videos that are showing up, through TikTok. This is the primary way they're learning about sexuality through these quick sound bites and these messages that are very contrary to biblical sexuality. So that's the audience of young people. I'd actually say, Chris, it's interesting. Christian and non-Christian kids largely are asking a lot of the same questions Mm. just because Mm. I think that even our Christian kids are deeply influenced by the secular mindset of our culture more than we realize. Now, I think a lot of Christian kids still want to do what the Bible says, but they don't understand why, and they don't have a framework for approaching this. So really, our Christian kids, I think, have a pretty deeply secular worldview. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that in many ways, um, we fell into the trap as a church of thinking that we were going to have massive influence on the life of a teen through Uh, worship services that happen one hour a week, right? Or maybe teen small group when there's much more of a holistic family approach. You talked about growing up in a home in which these things were talked about at the dinner table. Uh, Maybe even talk a little bit about the relationship between the church and the home as it pertains to getting this right. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Let me frame it this way. I think most parents want to do what's right with their kids, but I'm not convinced they understand how deeply their kids have been shaped by the thinking of the world around them and what's coming through a smartphone. 
and frankly, kids are getting about 17 hours of media from the culture for every one hour they're spending in church. And that's like a pre-COVID generous statistic. They are getting just in terms of quantity, nonstop messages, and they don't have a filter how to make sense of it. A lot of youth pastors I talk to are doing their best and they're trying to talk to kids about sex, but they're like, I have kids 45 minutes a week. Maybe do a three-part series, hour and a half. Well, one movie can undermine all of that. So just in terms of quantity and the nonstop barrage of messages, part of the book that I wrote is to wake up parents and just say, we got to have all hands on deck because this secular or confused culture, as I frame it, is just wrecking our kids. So I would love to see parents and churches use this together to have a holistic kind of multi-pronged approach to teaching our kids about sex and relationships. Before it's all said and done, we're going to talk today about singleness, the LGBTQ uh, conversation. We're going to talk about sexual sin and forgiveness. We'll even talk about marriage and is God uh, prioritizing that for our lives? And again, I want you to join the conversation. But before we take our first break, I got to ask you, why do you love The Matrix so much? I saw you <laughs> talk about that's one of your favorite movies. We've been binge watching movies. Now you got me wanting to watch The Matrix after reading your book. Why do you love it so much? You know, I open with that story and I ask my students, I'm like, am I dating myself if I open with this movie? <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, you and, are. <laughs> and all of my high school students are like, oh, that's a classic film. They're like, no, it's great. But I, I think what I like about it, at the time, it was just revolutionary. But it really asked the question, do I want truth? Do I want to live in an artificial world in which everything is fake? Or am I willing to pay the price to have truth even if it's difficult? And when it comes to issues of sexuality, that's the way we have to frame it for young people. I don't want to say, hey, follow Jesus is easy. It's actually rewarding, but it's tough. All right, folks, now that we got that settled, we're going to talk about uh, what is freedom on the other side of this break. We're going to take our first break. We have one of the leading experts in sharing the Christian faith with the next generation in Sean McDowell. His newest book is a must have. I'm encouraging you to get your hands on it today. Chasing Love. We're going to give away three complimentary copies today for those of you who are calling in with great questions. Maybe you're the parent of a teenager. They're going through the relationship highs and lows, and you're wondering, how do I help them? I can't even start a conversation. Well, don't worry. We're here to help you to help your teenager. Don't go anywhere. Much more to come next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. Hey there, my friend. The next Equipper Zoom webinar is coming up on January 12th. This Zoom webinar helps us to know each other better. It's our chance to talk together about crucial concerns in our families, the culture, and the church. You can ask me any question you have, and I'll do my best to answer each one of them. The webinar is one of the perks of being part of our team of equippers, our monthly partners. Now, if you are an equipper, be sure to check your inbox for an email from me with registration details for this free Zoom meeting. If you're not an equipper, why don't you become a monthly partner and join us? Simply call 888-644-4144 and tell them I want to become an equipper or sign up online at equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. 
Again, it's a Giving Tuesday as you support nonprofits throughout our country that need your uh, financial partnership in order to survive and thrive into the future. I pray that Equip has been a blessing to you and that we're on the list of nonprofits that you would love to support. We're asking that you would partner with us with either a one-time gift of any amount or a $30 a month partnership. We call those good folks Equippers, our monthly partners. Either way, you can call the number 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. If we've been a blessing to you, stand with us as we equip Christians to live, share, and defend their faith. Sean McDonald is my guest today. The book is Chasing Love, Sex, Love, and Relationships in a Confused Culture. We're going to come back to the book, but Sean, let's go to the phone lines. Michael is listening in Chicago. Hey, Michael, thanks for listening. What's your uh, question or comment for Sean? Hey, so I guess this is a blessing because it's like right on time. So my challenge is I have a team um, who I just you know love very much, but I'm stuck between you know trying to be a parent and trying to be a, you know a counselor or just, sure. you know someone she can bounce things off of, and she actually you know has a better time of kind of communicating with my wife and with me and I'm frustrated because I feel like I'm not I'm losing the battle against all of these voices that she has access to all of these different uh, influences and I just don't know what to do and I'm feel like I'm in the deep end uh, without a battle give me a perspective on that yeah first thing I would say is uh, thanks for sharing you are not alone I hear this from parents all the time so don't feel like you're the only one who's fighting this battle. There's a lot of parents trying to navigate this. One thing I might encourage you to do is when you feel like you're losing the battle as hard as it is, you can pull back on some of the technology that's speaking into your daughter's life. And I realize that can make you feel like the worst parent alive. But my daughter's 13 and she does not have a smartphone. I don't allow her to have one, and mainly for the reason of all the voices that are speaking in to her, I want to limit that as best I can. Um, so sometimes doing that really helps with kids. The other thing I would say is just don't feel like you always have to have these difficult conversations. Work on that relationship, this issue aside. What does your daughter love? What's fun? How does she feel loved? What's special to her? And just overboard on that relationship, and that'll allow you that avenue to speak into her, especially if your wife is. I mean, my wife and my daughter have a special connection that's a little different than my son and I do, and that's okay just because the way we're wired, even though they're both teenagers. And I think that's especially true in the teenage season, right, Sean? That as uh, boys and girls become teenagers, they're naturally going to gravitate to the parent of their own gender. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I mean, my my daughter jokes with me sometimes about things she'll share with me. She's like, "Nope, I'm talking to mom," and I'm like, "Great, that's <laughs> what moms are for." And then my wife got frustrated yeah. with my son. She's like, "But you guys have a different connection." I said, "You know, for a season, it, it's okay yeah. to be all right with that, but we can still work on that relationship with both of uh, you know our kids, all of them." Michael, two things I want to do for you, friend. Uh, number one, you stay on the line. Our producer is going to get you a copy of the book just to say thank you. It'll help you. Number two, I just want to encourage you as a dad uh, that one of the big things you can do in this season is to say to your daughter, listen, I know you need to talk to mom about a lot of the stuff that you're processing in this season, but I just want you to never forget that no matter what, I love you deeply. And just continue to affirm that love that you have for your daughter 
And uh, and I promise you, I've heard it again and again and again from young women as they get older that those types of uh, reminders that their dads gave them and their teen years stuck with them as they got older. Sounds like you're a great dad, Michael. We want to help you. So you stay on the line, brother, and we'll get you a copy of the, uh, Sean's book, Chasing Love. I want to encourage many of you to go to our website now. There we have ordering information at equipradio.org. That's equipradio.org. Find out more about how you can order a copy of Chasing Love. All right, Sean, uh, why why is understanding freedom correctly so important? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. I asked my students recently when I was talking with a group of high school students to define freedom, and they said freedom is doing whatever you want without restraints. I said, okay, if you had God in the mix, now what is freedom? And they said freedom is doing whatever you want. But now there's consequences. (laughs) And Chris, these are great kids in Christian homes, Christian schools who basically see freedom as doing anything you want. So I said, describe for me the person who's most free. And they're like someone alone on an island who could do anything they wanted to. And I explained to these students, I said, you understand freedom from, but you don't understand freedom for. Half of freedom is not being constrained. The other half is living consistently with our design. If you know what a smartphone is for, it's not a scuba tank and it's not a Frisbee. When you know what its design is and use it accordingly, you're set free. Well, in the Bible, it tells us that we're made to be in a relationship with God and relationship with other people. So ironically, the person who's alone on an island is least free because they don't have the relationships that God has designed us to have. Now, I start off talking about this in the Bible because kids tend to think I'm free if I just act according to my feelings and I'm the author of my own life. And that is the opposite of freedom. Freedom is understanding who God has designed us to be and cultivating the character and self-control to live consistently with our design. So what happens a lot of times is parents and youth pastors will give biblical teaching but not realize that that young people are filtering it through an entirely different view of freedom. So I have a whole chapter on freedom trying to reframe what true freedom is and why Jesus offers real freedom. Then the biblical teaching on sexuality can make more sense. Wow. So in many ways, that man, fictitious man on the island, is is the least free of, of men in many ways. I think that's exactly right. He's he's half he's freedom from. No one's preventing him doing whatever he wants to do. But there's a reason the worst place to be in prison is in solitary confinement because they don't have the face-to-face human relationships were designed for. There's a reason hell is described sometimes as aloneness. We're not free away from people. We're free in relationship with people when we live in those relationships according to the design that God has given us. Let's go back to the phone lines. Clara is listening in Georgia. Hey, Clara, thanks for listening. What's your question for Sean? Okay, my question is this. I have a granddaughter that is 16 years old. Uh, she thinks she should be in a same-sex relationship. And even though we have talked to her about that, that, you know, this is something that God does not like. He does not condone it. But in her school, there is so much, so many children that's in a same-sex relationship. And we've had such a problem to the point that 
she tried committing suicide because she thought nobody loved her. And I try to tell her, we love her. We just don't condone what you're doing. Okay. So it just been so hard trying to connect with her, trying to, you know, even, you know, my husband gave her a Bible, told her to read it. But, you know, I mean, she's a good child. It's yeah. just that she sees so much stuff out there that she thinks it's okay to do this. So, and then she has a ain't that's in the same sex relationship. So sure. it's just been so hard trying to tell her, okay, this is not what you should do, you know? And she thinks that nobody loves her because she thinks I'm not pretty, you know? But like mm. I told her, she's a very beautiful girl, very talented. She plays three instruments. She paints. But yeah. I just can't get, you know, get that connection with her. Well, we used to have it when she was younger. And nowadays, she is just totally walking around, brown on her face. And, and how old is she, Claire? How old? 16. She's 16. Okay. 16. First off, I want to get you a copy of the book. I, I love that you are so committed to her. Sean, with about a minute before the break, what would you tell Claire on how she can connect with her granddaughter? Well, my, my heart and encouragement is she knows where you stand. You've gotten her a Bible. She knows what you believe about marriage. She doesn't need to be convinced of an argument right now. She just needs to be convinced of your love. And I know that's hard to show right now because it feels like she's not reciprocating. I would say go out of your way to go to every sporting event, go to her recitals, send her notes. Don't feel the need to to preach. Show love to her. Grandparents can make a world of difference. You know, the church has done a, a really strong job at addressing the same-sex issue doctrinally. But what I think we need is a wave of resources like Chasing Love that can talk about it relationally, too. And so I think you've asked a great question, Clara. Stay on the line. We want to get you a copy of Sean's book. But when we come back, Sean, let's take up the LGBTQ question and go even further into it. Uh, If that is uh, good for you, we're going to stick and stay. I want to encourage you, don't go anywhere. Much more to come. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. The story of Jesus' birth is full of hope, promise, and wonder. But in today's culture, much of the miraculous Christmas story has been watered down or filled with pagan myths. So if you want to know the verifiable facts surrounding Jesus' birth, you'll want a copy of Is Christmas Unbelievable? by apologist Rebecca McLaughlin. Request your copy today when you support Equip with a gift of any amount. Call 888-644-4144 or visit EquipRadio.org.com. What is Equip with Chris Brooks? At its core, this program is just real people who are trying to deal with real life and looking for biblical answers. Tune in every weekday, and that's what you'll hear. But none of this is possible without the generous monthly support of our equippers. You can join the growing family of supporters today and begin receiving special benefits when you call 888-644-4144. Or if you prefer to automate your gift, simply go online to equippedradio.org. You're listening to a pre-recorded encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. want to say thank you for your generosity. So appreciate you coming alongside of us. It's through your partnership and generosity and God's grace that we are here each and every day to equip Christians to live, share, and defend their faith, to enter into tough conversations with compassion 
and uh, and solid biblical answers. And so I want to encourage your partnership today. You could change the world through your generosity. And part of the way we we can do that together is by you dialing the number 888-644-4144. As for today, Dr. Sean McDowell is my guest today, professor, best-selling author, uh, public speaker, but also part-time high school teacher. And I love that he stays connected to high schoolers and such is the case in his newest book, Chasing Love. We were talking about the LGBTQ uh, question, and I mentioned, Sean, that it seems to me that there are so many resources out there that um, deal with the doctrinal side of this. Is it right? Is it wrong? But why do we need to also deal with the relational side of it? Oh, that's such a good question, because in the minds of many young people, I think even within the church, many are what I would call soft affirming, that they Mm -hmm. just are okay with same-sex relationships. They don't know why theologically or culturally God has designed marriage as he does, but what pulls them is their relationships, either relationships with their friends, their neighbors, or perceived relationships with people on social media and YouTube who look like they're happy they're they're just they're selling a certain narrative so to speak about marriage and it's pulling on their heartstrings so if we just say here's what the bible says here's why it's wrong and it's not relational and they don't understand why it's just not going to make sense to a young person today yeah and i think this is really an important part of it because when they come walking into our homes to say hey either my friend is is gay or I feel that I'm attracted to someone of the opposite sex, we're going to have two conversations, I think, or at least one conversation on two levels. And that is uh, hopefully we're going to have the, the conversation of what does that mean for our relationship? And then secondly, we need to make sure that we uh, answer the question of what does the Bible say about this, Right. And it seems like those are ongoing conversations that we're going to have for uh, for the duration of the relationship, Sean. I think that's right, and I think it's primarily a relational question. I mean I've had so many young people over the years come out to me for the first time that they just had never told anybody else that they have same-sex attraction. And deep in their heart, and every time I've experienced this, is the question, are you still going to love me? Are you going to judge me differently? Do I have any hope in the future? Am I permanently messed up or going to be viewed as different? These are deep relational questions, and that's why we can get to the theology. We can get to that stuff with a young person, but what they need to know deep in their hearts is my mom and my dad, my youth pastor, they love me, and they'll never leave me, period. That relational question, I believe, is at the heart of it. So part of the challenge, and this is where your book, I think, is most helpful, is that we have to present not only what we're opposed to, but what makes the Christian view of sexuality so attractive. So just talk about the sexual ethics of Jesus and why you, after studying and being exposed to so much about sexuality, continue to come back to the sexual ethics of Jesus. Well, it, it's interesting you ask this again because this morning I was talking to my high school students. I wrote on the board, I said, what is the sexual ethic of Jesus? And very simply, it would be that sex is reserved for marriage, which is one man and one woman who become one flesh for one lifetime. That's 
one piece. And then singleness is a good, beautiful, equal way of honoring the Lord as well. So I asked my students, I said, what would the world be like if people embraced and lived the sexual ethic of Jesus? Would it be better or would it be worse? And slowly they came up with a list. There's like, well, there'd be no pornography. There'd be no sexual trafficking or sex abuse. There'd be no sexually transmitted diseases. There'd be no rape, pregnancies outside of a loving, committed relationship, no crude Mm. sexual humor, no abortion, no divorce, no deadbeat dads. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the point I was trying to impress upon them is, look, God's design is not to steal your fun. God has designed sex. It's a gift. It's beautiful and it's good. But he's given us certain confines. And when we follow and live according to God's design, it's not only good for individuals, it's good for society. And this is so important for young people because they think that the Christian sexual ethic is repressive and it's outdated and it's irrelevant to their lives. What I want to show them is it's actually more relevant than you could ever imagine. That's really good stuff. 877-LIVE-675. Let's go to uh, Janice in Rome, Georgia. Janice, thank you so much for listening. Uh, What's your question for Sean? Well, um, I have a 23-year-old daughter, and, you know, she's obviously past the teenage stage. And I've always taught my girls, um, before they date anyone, that they need to uh, do their very best to assess if the the potential person they're going to date is a born-again Christian and what their political uh, persuasions are, because those are two things that just don't seem to change too often um, after a relationship. And my concern is that, you know, they go and date these guys and um, get emotionally involved, hopefully not physically, but we know that that happens sometimes. And and then they can't break it off because they're they're too deeply involved, even once they find out they're not a Christian or they don't agree politically. Does your book address that? So you sound like a wonderful mom. And uh, what I talk about is I tell I talk about protecting their hearts. And the further somebody gets emotionally and physically, what happens is they begin to think they love the person, think they trust the person, and it clouds their ability to really make a wise, discerning decision about whether they should marry that person or not. So there's actually a whole chapter on cohabitation. And people think, well, if I just live with this person first, I'll be better off. But the way you described it, when you're closer to that person emotionally, and in this case, physically, it actually gives you the illusion of a deeper relationship that is not necessarily there and puts you at a disadvantage when you get married. So I don't talk about the political component, although I think you're right. What I do talk about is the importance of saying love is not just about being physically attracted to somebody. Marriage is you have common values, you have common goals. Are you committing to this for a lifetime and on the same page? Those are the huge questions, and it thrills me to hear that that's what you're teaching your daughter as well. Appreciate the call. Sean, let's talk about singleness really quickly before our next break because, uh, you know, that that uh, going back to movies and film and TV, Friends is such an epic influencer in our culture. That whole sitcom series that obviously dates me and dates you. Uh, just by (laughs) referencing it, but it does have kind of cult appeal. I have seen a lot of T-shirts that have the Friends logo on it, so it's still kind of popular. 
but it just kind of highlighted that, man, if I'm going to have contentment, it's living the single, unattached life. They seem to have so much fun and happiness and joy. But what is uh, the kind of uh, true, broad view of singleness? Well, singleness and marriage, biblically, are two beautiful and equal ways of honoring and serving the Lord. And we see sometimes marriage denigrated in shows like Friends. Like you could just be as happy being single with a group of friends as you could be being married. On the flip side in the church, sometimes we elevate marriage and we downplay the beauty and goodness of singleness. So many singles feel like they're second-class citizens. I had a, a woman read the chapter in Singleness, and she literally, I know it sounds dramatic, she's in tears. She's like, people don't even talk about this stuff. She's in her 50s, and she's like, I've always felt like a second-class citizen in the church, but that's not what 1 Corinthians 7, Paul taught. That's not Matthew 19, what Jesus taught. So I include a chapter because most of the kids reading this are single as they read it, and most of us in our lives will have a season of singleness. What does it mean to love God and love other people and use that season of singleness in a greater kind of ministry? That's the balance I'm trying to bring. Yeah, and so singleness becomes one of those things that that whole freedom concept is critical to understand. What are we free from and what are we free for? And if you're really going to live into your singleness, I think that understanding uh, that whole concept of freedom is so super critical. Uh, I I do want to just reference, though, we have a friend, who a a mutual friend who we both appreciate, Sam Alberry, and uh, he's done a lot of work on this, hasn't he? Sam's stuff is fantastic. I read his book. I think it's called Seven Myths on Singleness and quoted him heavily because I've been married 20 years. I didn't spend time being single, but I listened to a lot of singles. I heard their stories. I talked to them to try to make sure they were fairly represented. And frankly, that, you know, we stopped kind of denigrating singleness in the church, which we've done sometimes. Jesus was single. Paul was seemingly single. Jeremiah was single. Probably John the Baptist. It's a beautiful way of serving the Lord. And interestingly enough, in heaven, we're single. Marriage ends, but in a sense, we're married to Christ as the body of Christ. So singleness now shows us the goodness and beauty of relationships in the church of what it will be like in eternity. Friends, we got a lot of content in this wonderful book. We got to take one last break, but it only gives you an opportunity for you to get your hands on Sean's newest book. What a masterpiece, Chasing Love, Sex, Love, Relationships in a Confused Culture, and all of it written to the heart of teenagers. And so you can read it, obviously, to enter into their world, but you can also just hand it to them. And say, listen, um, I heard this great interview from a um, uh, a guy who works with teenagers around these uh, questions, and I thought it'd be great, maybe even read it together with them. Uh, man, what a phenomenal journey. So I want to encourage you to get your hands on a copy of Chasing Love. When we come back, we're going to ask Sean the most important question I might ask him all hour. You don't want to miss it. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks.
It's December, and here at Equip, we want to thank you for your generous gifts throughout this year. Your donations bless others with the truth of the gospel, and together, we're pointing people to the life-changing hope and freedom of Jesus Christ. Let's finish this year strong by continuing to support this ministry and program, or become a first-time investor in the ministry. Give us a call today at 888-644-4144, or go to EquipRadio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. So grateful for uh, those of you who are supporting the program. Uh, We could not be here without your partnership. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Okay, I want to ask Sean, most important question, Sean, to TikTok or not to TikTok? That's the question. What do you recommend for uh, those who are doing youth work? Well, if you want to reach students where they're at, I think you should seriously consider being on TikTok. I understand some of the concerns that wow. people raise. So go in with your eyes wide open. But I have a ton of students who follow me, watch my videos, and I've connected who would not follow my ministry otherwise. So I seriously think anyone who wants to influence students should think about it seriously. There we go. There we go. You've heard it directly from Sean. And all responses are not that of the host. I just want to give that disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) All angry responses to Sean directly. No, you do a great job of striking the balance. And I think that uh, the, the, the fact that you as a dad have a teenage, have teenagers that you're helping to navigate through this, I think gives tremendous balance on using social media for the good, but not overusing it where it's uh, a competitor that overly influences the heart of our teenage children. Let's go to John. Hey, John, thank you for patient, patiently listening. What's your question for Sean? Hey, Johnny, I appreciate you guys, Dr. Sean. Hey, man, I love you guys. Um, I just I just have a quick question, man. It's real simple, and I think um, most parents don't have the – they're not going to be brave or comfortable enough to answer this question. So my son, he's 11. How do I go about approaching him so that he'll re- I'll get the correct response and him wanting to satisfy his absolute desire to have sex? And my son is 11, and sex has – I'm 42 now. Since I was 13, it has caused me so much failure. It has caused me so much drama. It has caused this been so disruptive in a way that I've only noticed now till till this till this call, and sure. I didn't I, I didn't realize this was the issue till this till this broadcast, and I'm I'm real, I'm super concerned because 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 everybody wants to be successful and everybody deserves to be happy. All right, let's talk about it. Sean, uh, obviously one of the big things with teenagers is the desire for sex, and it doesn't, as our brother is sharing, doesn't doesn't become less of an issue the older you get, uh, but certainly the teen years are intense around that area. So what wisdom would you give? My encouragement would be for you to sit down with your son, take him to McDonald's, take him somewhere that just the two of you can sit down and say, son, I love you. I just want to share my story and my experience with you so you can learn from my mistakes, the things I've done well, and the way you described it, the things in which I fell short. And any son who knows his dad loves him will just listen. You're not preaching. You're just simply saying, son, I want to share my story with you because I want to help you avoid the mistakes you made. That's number one. 
Uh, number two is I would make sure sometimes when I hear people who have some of the baggage, the way you describe it in pain, it's easy to say sex is bad and sex is terrible and don't have sex. And I'm not even saying you would necessarily say that. But the biblical message is that sex is good. And God has given us desires. An 11-year-old, 12-year-old kid who's discovering his body, you want to say, hey, God has given you strong desires. This is a wonderful thing. But let's look at what Scripture says about how we should use our bodies to love him and love other people. I don't know if this would help you or not, but I had my 12-year-old daughter read the book, and I bought her shoes if she would do it. And I said, look, <laughs> I I told her I'd buy her one pair. There's an outlet. She's like, I could get two pair of Vans for one. Is that fine? I was like, that's fine. So she read it. And we just went to a coffee shop and I just asked her questions and we talked it through together. And that's why I wrote the book for parents like this fellow who called saying, I need a tool. I need an excuse to talk to my kids. It worked with my own daughter and I hope it does for, for him as well. Hey, John, I want you to stay on the line. We want to get you a copy of Sean's wonderful book. I believe it'll be a blessing. Listen, there are no silver bullets. Part of this is uh, just staying in the conversation. And, Sean, I can't think of a better place for us to land this plane. You know, as you talk to uh, John about that, part of what I know from talking to your dad is he's just a guy who talks openly about sex. He doesn't treat it as some taboo topic that we should be afraid of. Uh, it's something that we need to talk openly about, isn't it? I think it is. And what that does is it it, it just kind of, it demystifies it and says it's something good, it's something beautiful, but I'm not afraid of it. It's a part of human life. We all got here because our parents had sex. There's no secret about that. And frankly, our world is talking about it. It's on social media. It's in movies. It's in songs. It's everywhere. I asked my students this morning, I'm like, where are you getting messages from sex? And one kid's like, well – basically everywhere. And then when it comes to the church and it comes to parents, if we don't talk about it, by default, they're going to take their cues from the wider culture. So let's just talk about it with sanctity, with respect, but point our kids back to scripture. Yeah, Sean, you've done a great job of doing that. And uh, so grateful for you, man. Grateful for you continuing to keep your uh, your heart open to the cry of teenagers. And although uh, our calls are really from parents and you expected that, I expected that, I really do want to encourage teenagers who are listening that this book is for you specifically. So I so appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. Keep up the good work. All right, folks, you can get a copy of Sean's newest book, Chasing Love, Sex, Love, and Relationships, in a confused culture for the teenager you appreciate. And um, and I would just highly encourage it, especially around uh, this Christmas season. It's a conversation they'll, they'll appreciate later on in life, if not right now. Hey, I want to say some thank yous. Thank you to Teresa from Newbury, Ohio. Thank you to, for, uh, to Kathleen in Zionsville, Indiana. Thank you. Also, Yvonne in New Orleans, Louisiana, so appreciative of all of you and your gifts of support today. Hey, you can partner with us on this Giving Tuesday by dialing 888-644-4144. And don't forget, until we're together again next time, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. As the year comes to a close here at Equip, 
We've seen so many lives change through our daily communication of the gospel. Help us to expand our reach by giving a year-end gift. Now, I know that some of you can afford to give gifts of $100 or $500 or even $1,000, and we thank you for your partnership. Really, any amount will help us in our mission to promote the gospel. Together, we can reach the world. Make a difference with a year-end gift today by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. 